Ladies and gentlemen, we're here. I'm part of the click, isn't everybody? <laughs> yes! 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 I, I got an idea, yeah. Peter John Cena! Give me a hell yeah! Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. Too sweet! episode is scheduled for one fall, and it is for your listening pleasure. This is In The Click. What's up, everybody? Baby Huey here, and joining me once again is my good brother from the Bulletcast. It's Philip. How's it going, man? Uh, it is Sunday night. It is your birthday. Happy birthday, man. I'm, congrats on being 45. <laughs> Thank um, you. I appreciate it. I'm not 45. I'm 38 now. <laughs> I'm 38. No, no, I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. Sunday night, uh, AEW full gear was yesterday. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about some some sports entertainment. Yeah, man. So here we are. As you mentioned, it's Sunday night. First off, I just want to thank everyone for the birthday messages, the phone calls, texts, social media uh, posts, comments, all that good stuff. I appreciate. It. Definitely feel the love today. And uh, yeah, man, I, I I was like crap. Tomorrow I go to work and then after work, I come home and then I drive down to L.A. and I'm going to Disneyland for a couple of days and then uh, come back. So I was like, I have no other time in my schedule this week to record my full gear reviews. Like I got to do it tonight. <laughs> so uh, so thank you, Phil, for making the time to jump on with me and get this in the books. But yes, here we are. Sunday night is a full 24 hours after AEW's full ge- after AEW's full gear pay-per-view uh, happened yesterday. And uh, uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch it live. Uh, I was just busy. I was filming some TV stuff with my coworker on her TV show, which I'll, I'll plug that when when it's closer to dropping next uh, in a few weeks. Um, and then one of my best friends, Brian, it was his daughter's birthday. So I went to his place afterwards and just caught up with a lot of family and friends I haven't seen in a while. And so um, <laughs> I came home and I want to watch the pay-per-view, but it wasn't ready yet on bleacher report so I, let's just touch on that real quick so uh philip you, that's something um you and i saw the announcement that for this pay-per-view it was exclusively only available in the u.s on bleach report their app their website all that stuff uh all out last or two months ago was available on bleach report and and fight tv and before that it used to be br live yeah, so I I didn't man I didn't even know that that BR Live and Bleacher Report became one thing. I this happened yeah. a couple months ago and I just found out like this week. <laughs> <laughs> then that's so, the thing. Yeah, I I got the email and then, uh I think there was some sort of press release or something but cuz yeah, Bleacher Report. Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know, AEW their television deal is on TNT, which is owned by Warner Media, which also owns Bleacher Report, hence why AEW, when they got their TV deal, it was also announced like all their pay-per-views were going to be on 
uh, Bleacher Reports app, which was BR Live. BR Live was their app for all like, streaming, all the sporting events that they host and whatnot. And so it was two separate things. Like Bleach Report had an app and BR Live had an app. And so I guess what they decided is just instead of separating the two, they just merged them together or more or less just dropped BR Live and made everything focused solely on Bleach Report app. So, yeah, uh, All Out was the first pay-per-view they did post shutting down the BR Live app and moving things over to the Bleach Report app. I tried messing with it a couple months ago. I wasn't really comfortable with the interface at the time so that's why you and i we watched it on fight tv a couple months ago for the last pay-per-view this time around there was a press release last week saying uh uh, full gear was going to be only available on bleach report in the u.s and fight tv internationally and i was like oh man (laughs) like i i was anticipating just ordering on fight tv again but this time around yeah they decided bleach report which i guess it makes sense because you know, th- th- that's the parent company that owns them or owns the TV deal, you know, Bleach Report, Time Warner, TNT. It all makes sense. Uh, but yeah, I, so I didn't get to watch it live. So right before I went to bed last night, I was like, oh, let me catch a little bit of it before I went to sleep. I turned on the app and it wasn't available yet. The replay, I was like, come on, people. Do, do you think people are all watching live? I'm sure some people like me are catching it afterwards. And I did my best to avoid spoilers. I saw a couple, but other than that, everything else was still like, I, I didn't know any of the outcomes of some of the other matches. Uh, the only thing I got spoiled for me was like, Hey man, one, like I saw on Twitter, everyone reacting to that, but, but still, I was just getting a little frustrated. I was like, come on people. Like get that, get that replay. It's been a couple hours since the show ended. So anyway, and then I woke up this morning and it still wasn't ready. And then all of a sudden they just started streaming the show live again. It wasn't like available to watch on demand when you want it. It hit start. The show just started playing like randomly, like at 10 15 here on the West coast. And I was like, oh, okay. So I immediately just turned it on just started watching it. Uh, but yeah, so I'm not perfectly uh, in love with the Bleacher Report app. I hope they still work out the kinks and hopefully for the next pay-per-view, it's going to be a lot more smoother process. And then I saw Fight TV had it available the next day. So maybe Bleacher Report has the exclusive live streaming of it. And then on demand, like the next day, it's also going to be available on Fight TV. So I don't know. I'm kind of curious how they're going to do that moving forward. So anyway, moving forward, uh, Philip, let's just start, you know, as always, as like we do, let's give your overall takes of the pay-per-view. What were some of just overall, just, uh, uh, your thoughts on this show? Um, well, you know, there, there was alcohol involved. So let me try to remember. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, I mean, I was happy with, you know, the outcome for hangman winning the championship. Uh, yeah. I did feel it was kind of anticlimactic, if that makes sense. We'll talk about that. Once okay. we get to the main yeah. event, yeah. Um, I thought the, I thought it was a nice opener with with Maxwell and Darby. Uh, the tag match that the ending there. I guess they're going to do some some other type of booking mm-hmm. moving forward with the Lucha Bros and FTR. But I was that didn't really sit well with me. Mm-hmm. The women's match it just didn't hit. Uh, mm-hmm. Punk and Eddie, it was cool, you know. Uh, Brian and Miro, I thought that was a nice finish, you know. Daniel Bryan, he's the submission specialist, and he's been beating people with different submissions yeah. since he's been in AEW. So I thought that was a nice uh, nod on on that story and for him to become the number one contender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very much with you as far as I thought going into this show, it was a stacked car. Like, I'm just off the top of my head. Maybe it's just recency bias, but I think maybe I thought I had better storylines going to this pay-per-view compared to All Out. I think All Out, a lot of people were more excited for the date, the potential debuts 
or surprises. Yeah. Like I have to look at them again. I, I don't have, I didn't look at compare the cards, but I think a lot of people were more excited for all out because it was CM Punk's return to the ring for the first time in seven and plus years who could potentially be there. I mean, the rumor was leaking. It was going to be Daniel Bryan, but we also got Adam Cole. So all these surprises really made that show special. But like this one, like I really was excited for all the buildup for some of these matches going into the show. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was excited. I, I, like I said, I have to, maybe we could do it later. We can compare the two shows, which was the better pay-per-view. Well, I want to say this. I think AEW, I think the trend this year has been surprises at pay-per-views revolution. We got Christian cage. Yeah. Um, at double or nothing, we got Mark Henry, yeah. you know, and then all out, obviously we get Adam Cole and Brian Danielson. And then Ruby spoiler Soho. Alert if you, Oh, Ruby Soho. That's true. Spoiler load. If you don't know uh, what happened <laughs> last night, we got Jay lethal. That's know? right. Yeah. So, so that's, Maybe that's just for this year. That could be a trend uh, for the foreseeable future, but I don't know. I'm I'm kind of digging it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the thing is just for me, I um, like this, I think was a stack car as far as all the matches lined up. I was like, man, all these matches are really good. I mean, there was a couple that like maybe could have just made invented a dynamite and maybe someone else could have maybe got a spot here. I was really surprised there was not more women's matches, but we'll get into that in a second. Um, but yeah, very much. I, I thought it was great wrestling overall. A lot of great matches. I thought the beginning of the show started out really good. Then it kind of died down a little bit in the middle. And then things started picking up the last few matches on the night. So it was kind of like one of those up and down waves. But overall, I had a lot of fun. It's, uh, I mean, yeah, we should maybe at the end of the year, we could kind of power rank, uh, you know, AEW, you know, just the year in review and like where this ranked amongst the other pay-per-views and whatnot. But um, also I want to get your thoughts on the set. So it was a little bit of a different set this time around. It wasn't like the traditional tunnels where the heel tunnel and the babyface tunnel that AEW normally uses. This was a little they, bit of a different set. They had tunnels adjacent. Tunnels, there were tunnels adjacent. Uh, well, they, but they still came in like they had like, I don't know what you call it, these pillars, no pun intended, but like yeah. these, like, like, and then, like, like the big screens off to yeah. the side. Yeah, they still had like the kind of the circle, but like it wasn't like the full, the full tunnel. Yeah, because they, when they came out, they still had to come around the screen. If I yeah. remember correctly, what I like I mean, about the tunnel, I mean, that, that the setup, it looked like a very much like an early 90s WCW set. Like, that's how I kind of my initial reaction. But then again, in general, you know them, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know what I want them to do? Do you remember? Uh, I think that when they used to run the Omni back in the back in the early 90s and late 80s. They would have like that door that would open up like like from the future, you know, like you go into like a, a, <laughs> yeah, a grocery yeah, yeah, yeah. store or something, yeah, yeah. it would yeah. automatically opens up for you. I, mm-hmm. I want them to do something like that. I know, that's the thing. I was like watching this, and like it just really for me, just like looking at this set, it just screamed like yeah, like early nineties WCW pay per view or something like that. And even it was cool, like they would walk down the ramp, and the ramp was very much lit up with graphics and stuff. I thought that was cool. But I like how when p- the wrestlers were walking down the ramp, the camera just stayed on them, and the camera just backed up with them, walked with them in in sync. Which in the past, like, you know, sometimes WWE does a little bit different. They might cut to the crowd. I mean, they do a better job of now of like they zoom in and walk with them. But this one, the way they filmed it, it felt very much like an old school WCW show where you see them walk, especially when FTR was coming to the ring. Like the way they walked out to the ring, it felt like early 90s for me, WCW. I don't know why. Maybe because they got the remix 
entrance music, which is a play on the Midnight Express. Uh, I, I have some things to say about the FTR music, but we'll get into that. Okay. Once we okay. So no, but I, I just, I enjoyed that setup, the presentation. And then again, I, I miss actual stage setups for wrestling. We're, you know, we're so conditioned on WWE's product where they just have like a huge TV screen, just have the big flashing lights and the graphics and the wrestlers come out and stuff. And, you know, it's a very large over the top visual versus this is actual props and that the wrestlers walk around the props and stuff. So I kind of, I like that old school feeling from that. That's ultimately what I'm getting at. So absolutely, man. All right. So let's get into it. I did not watch the buy-in. I'll be fully honest. Just like I said, my schedule's way I too busy. I didn't watch it either. Okay. So all I know is uh, Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa took on Jamie Hayter and Nyla Rose. These are four ladies. They're in the TBS uh, women's title tournament. And Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa got the win over Jamie Hayter and Nyla Rose. Good for them. It just it, all four of them. It just adds a little more, I guess, storyline for the tournament that's going on right now. Yeah. Also, um, before I forget, uh, you know, shout out Vicky Guerrero coming out to the crowd. Um, for anyone who doesn't realize, so yesterday, November 13th, was what the 16th anniversary of Eddie Guerrero's passing? Yes, it has been 16 years since we lost Eddie Guerrero. I remember that like it was yesterday. Viva mm-hmm. la Raza. Yeah, and uh, coincidence, you know, Full Gear is in was in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, same city where Eddie Guerrero was found dead. So um, that's you know, eerie, man. That's yes. that that that's eerie. Very much so. Yeah. So for Vicky Guerrero to come out there and the crowd was chanting Eddie, Eddie. Um, even like I saw someone post on Twitter, they went to the Marriott hotel that he passed away and they took a photo from outside. So that was, I don't know. It was kind of interesting, kind of eerie as well. I was like, okay. But they, some people were, I guess were going there on the day of, and I don't know, paying respect somehow, I guess by doing that, it, that's, that's yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah. You know, I know. Like we, we, we heard about people, you know, taking pictures outside of the motel where Dr. King was shot. So I guess it's kind of the same. Uh, kind of the yeah. same thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, so we'll jump into the main show itself. It started with uh, MJF and Darby Allen. This matchup was more or less just about the story of these two guys are like the pillars, the the OGs, the the uh, homegrown talent of AEW start. Yes. Is, that, is that the right yes. way to explain it? Absolutely, man. And, you know, see, people are really starting to come around on MJF and his in-ring work because – you know, he's a great talker. He's a great heel. He holds nothing back with the things he says on the mic. And But people were like, he just doesn't bring it in the ring. I think people are starting to, to silence that, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, the thing with MJF is, yeah, he cuts amazing promos. His in-ring style, for me, watching, he does what needs to be done as a heel for that particular storyline. Like, Absolutely. I, I, <laughs> call me old school. Call me a 38-year-old wrestling fan. But, like... You know, AEW is known for a lot of the high flying, the high spots, the no selling. MJF very much has more of an old school wrestling style, a little bit slower, more basic. Less is more. Yes, exactly. So when I see an MJF match, he's definitely more of an old school heel in the ring. So I have no problem with that. He tells the story of being a total dick in the ring and trying to put over the baby face. Look, a headlock takeover won a match in 2021. <laughs> exactly. So, rejoice. so yeah, the match itself, I, I like the beginning kind of started with a little more technical uh, 
was very much like Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, right? I heard someone made that comparison, you know, how they were holding each other hand to hand and kind of going back yeah. and forth. Yeah, Eddie and Dean used to run that spot a lot. Yeah, so that, that was kind of cool seeing the two of them do that. Even for Darby Allen, Darby Allen does a lot of the high-flying stuff, the daredevil work. So they see him kind of mix up on the mat. That was a little bit different to yeah, see. I, I want to say he was an amateur wrestler. Don't quote me on that. Okay. But I feel like he, he was one of them. But Darby Allen, man, he probably is the best at doing the, the suicide dive. It's like a bullet coming out of the ring, hitting the opponent. Absolutely. Yeah, he just torpedoes it straight ahead. Uh, Darby Allen will be at Stockton Con in January. You're welcome, Mike. Yes, yes. Thank you, Mike Miller. You got the plug right there. So, yeah, maybe you and I should go out there. And we'll, uh, we should go meet him. Let's I don't meet know. Him. Well, last time I went to Stockton, didn't really work out. So, well, I don't know about that. Well, like, yeah, well, we'll we'll make a trip, we'll have some fun. We'll, we'll um, try to find Mike. You know, I know he's a busy guy, but we'll try to hunt him down in person. <laughs> Maybe. How about this? Maybe we uh, ask to do a host a, a, a panel or something. Ooh, I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, you never know. You 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 never know. You yeah. never know. I would love to help out more with Stockton Con if you and I can help out with some more of the wrestler stuff. Absolutely, man. So, yeah. like, I'll, I'll, I'll carry. I'll carry Darby's bags. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> maybe, maybe stay okay, with the surprise appearance. Yeah. Okay. So that, <laughs> we'll, let's, let's talk off the air about that. So, but the match itself, I, I really enjoy this. Like I said, this is probably MJF's best wrestling match, and I think he proved a lot of doubters that yeah, he can go in the ring. And um, the finish, I, I love the how the finish here, how uh, he brought the skateboard in and. Well, I was going to hit him, and then he asked, told Darby, hit me with the skateboard. And then he took the, sk- the ref took the skateboard, put it outside, and that's when MGF hit Darby with the ring. And then when the ref turned back around, he did what's it called? The headlock. Uh, headlock takeover, yes. And he hooked the head, yeah. And he got cradled the pin. him after, really. And he yes, got sir. the pin. So MGF wins. Now, did you see what he did? Like, he was talking to Darby, and he said, like, number one. Was he saying like he's the number one pillar? He's just number two. I was trying to read the lips. Yeah, I I think it was something along the lines of that. Because like, I I wonder if MJF is going to try to go after the other guys he named off as um, pillars. Like maybe that could keep him. Hey, that could keep him busy. You know, who were the pillars again? So it was him, Darby Allen, Jungle Jungle Boy, and Sammy Guevara. Yeah, actually, you know what? Let him go after Jungle Boy or whatever. Because Sammy then, here, he kind of did with Inner Circle, Pinnacle. Yeah, but then he, I think he could take the TNT title off of Sammy. Hmm. I think, dude, he should be world title picture scene now. That's me, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, yeah. But so I wonder if that's kind of like his mission is to take out the other pillars he mentioned in that promo. Because, I mean, MJF, if you really think about it, he's been a real day one. He was with them and all in. Exactly. Well, and that's the thing with MJF is, and, and in general, when it comes to AEW with their storytelling, now for me, it's like I try to pay extra attention to these promos that I might not pay attention as closely in WWE because they're the type that they'll drop like a reference or an Easter egg that might seem like a throwaway line, but it's actually something that they're going to come back to later in months, year, whatever. Yeah. So MJF saying all those pillars, names, 
Like, I wonder if that's his mission to go after each of them at some point. So awesome just work. put it out there. So, uh, so no, I really like his opening match here. Uh, next up, saw the Lucha Brothers defending the AEW World Tag Team Championships against uh, FTR, joined by Tully Blanchard. I love the beginning. I love them coming out there. Felt like old school w- WCW. But yeah, FTR with their theme music. So, Philip, your thoughts on that? Why did they change the theme? I don't know. It's... I- uh. I got because I mean obviously their first theme in AEW was a is, is a riff of you know the uh, the revival theme which you know it fit them sure, you know yeah, it fit yeah. what they were doing yeah they changed up the theme and I'm like this doesn't hit <laughs> it, it, like I I I don't know maybe I just need to take some time to get used to it or whatever mm-hmm. but I'm just like it kind of threw me off and then the finish I'm just like yeah I don't know really so I okay so Lucha Lucha Bros come out. They have another great entrance. I give them credit. They do like the best pay-per-view entrances. Hey man, Alex Abrahantes looked like he was having the time of his life. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's uh, no, so he comes out. I mean, the Lucha Bros come out, uh, FTR come out. Um, I really enjoyed this match. I don't, I mean, I I give AEW credit. They made me fall in love with tag team wrestling again. No, no, it's it's not, it's not a knock to like the match itself. Just the finish was a little like, yeah. uh, Okay. Yeah. No, the finish was a little, little botchy i mean or the story they're trying to tell i love Uh, i love ftr they're crisp in the ring uh pentagon he's great for a man like kind of his build the things he can do is nice and i say it every time ray phoenix is just raw he's just raw as hell he's awesome Uh, listen i know a lot of people love penta on lucha underground and for me like a lot of people were giving penta a lot of the attention Whenever I saw Ray Phoenix, I was like, ooh, that guy is awesome. And then when we got to see them here in the Bay Area with APW in person, like he really won me over. And then seeing him progress on Impact and then AEW, I'm like, whoa. I know a lot of people like Penta, but dude, I think Ray Phoenix, you know, it might be the better out of the two, or at least maybe the more athletic. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I really do enjoy watching them together. Phoenix is definitely the more athletic out of the two. I mean, I think Phoenix might be due for a singles run soon. I mean, he really could be this generation's Rey Mysterio. That's why I said get a lightweight title or something. Yeah, yeah, something to go after. But, dude, what I like about this match is like, okay, we know the Lucha Brothers, last pay-per-view against the Young Bucks, high-flying, nonstop action over and over. You just get mentally exhausted from watching so much going on. It's a lot to process. This match, it's very much a contrast of styles. FTR, very much the old-school no dives. Uh, what, what was they saying? Uh, no flips, just fists. Yeah, you know they don't like diving. They don't do all that crazy high flying stuff. They're very much old school. Cut the mat in half. Tag team wrestling storytelling. Uh, you know, keep it on one side of the ring. Old school, just tactics and stuff. And so, with that being said, I like this contrast here. Lucha Bros, the high flyers, FTR, old school. And so they were able to tell different stories that we haven't seen as much. Lucha Brothers, you know, they couldn't just rely solely on the high flying stuff. They had to get back on the mat and do some more technical stuff to capitalize with FTR. FTR, they they stepped up their um, game as well as far as, you know, uh, trying to keep up with the high flying stuff. They got a guy up in the air a few times. And so I just like the the, the contrast here. It's like... It's like a yin and yang opposites attract. They brought the best out of each other. So I really enjoy what the, the story they were doing here. And honestly, like I said, AEW really brought back my love for tag team wrestling as far as watching it. I mean, th- this one was a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, the finish, though, was 
a little little wonky as far as to the FTR on the outside and they go into the ring and they both put on green mask. And I believe it was um, cash. Cash was the illegal man. And he's the one that got pinned Dax, you know, the bald one. He, he's, he was the legal man and he was outside of the ring. Yeah. So they, they put the green mask on. So, so the ref could not know who it was. And so um, uh, cash Wheeler was back in the ring and he got the pin, but yeah, technically he was the illegal man. It was supposed to be Dax in there, but since the ref couldn't tell because he had the green luchador mask on. So Lucha Brothers pick up the victory, but it leaves that open-ended um, story beat there as far as FTR can say, listen, you guys beat us, but you didn't beat the legal man, so we deserve a rematch or something. So I think that's what's going to happen. Wouldn't you be able to tell by the tattoos? Or the back of the hair sticking out of the mask. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was a little little story beat right there. I was like, okay, guys, come on, ref, you, you should know a little bit better than that. But anyway, I, I think since FTR lost, they could make that argument saying, hey, you pinned the wrong guy, the illegal guy, so we deserve a rematch, which is fine. I love this tag team match between the two of them, the two different styles, but it, it worked together. So uh, bring it on. Which you know, hope maybe they'll build to the next pay per view, or it could be a main event on a dynamite in the coming weeks so we shall see um next up it was the aew world championship eliminator tournament final for between brian danielson and miro now this was a match that kind of came together a little bit last minute miro was the replacement for moxley who into rehab uh about a week and a half ago now a couple weeks ago so yeah miro took uh moxley's spot picked up the victory and was going to be in the finals against Brian Danielson here, or as Jim Ross kept saying, Daniel Bryan throughout this match. Poor JR. He's been Daniel Bryan for like, what, 10 years, a decade. Like I I understand. I I understand. I think you say Brian at this point, just say Brian, because yeah, if you just say Brian, we all know it's Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan. When you say Brian, you're fine. I do like in the video package they touched on, you know, Daniel Bryan. You see, I, I did it too. <laughs> Bryan Danielson has never beaten Miro, even when they were in WWE. You know, Rusev always won. Which was so, what? So three years ago, they had a match together with the King of the Ring uh, It match? was uh, Money in the Bank qualifying. Or Money in the Bank qual- Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, that was when D- Daniel had just come back from retirement and all that other stuff. So I yes. like that. I like that they do acknowledge that they do have history together. And bro, the finish was tight. He beat him with what an avalanche sleeper, an avalanche dragon sleeper. So they, okay. I know they they jumped off the rope and then he landed in the dragon sleeper, and you know Miro was out. So okay, yeah, the finish itself. I, I think what they were trying to tell was okay. We know Miro had a bad neck. He keeps talking about that in his promos, and and he you know he loves God, but he knows he has a bad neck. And so Brian Danielson was working the neck a lot in this match, hitting him on the ground mat, uh, the, the, the ground and pound on the mat. So this finish here, I think what they were trying to do was Brian Danielson was trying to do a DDT off the top rope. He landed and then they, they fell apart. And then Brian Danielson jumped back on him to do um, the sleeper triangle. What he did, or uh, was that the sleeper triangle? On it was him? a dragon sleeper, I think. Dragon sleeper. Uh, let me see how AEW words it. Um, let's see. Danielson applied a submission, but Miro was knocked out. Oh, from the well-placed DDT and ref Abby Edwards stopped the match. Danielson's a new number one contender. Okay. So they just said submission. They even list the name of the finisher. Um, so um, 
Yes, I, I, I thought it seemed a little botched. I don't know. I wonder what the plan. Like, did they was the plan to be like when they fell off the rope doing that DDT? Was he supposed to stay connected to him and still apply the submission right after? It didn't look totally of a smooth transition. I think that's what a lot of people were kind of commenting on. It just didn't seem a smooth finish right there. Yeah, yeah. It, but I think they were going for like the stunned knockout factor. Yeah, exactly. But the match itself, it was interesting because Brian Danielson, ever since he's been AEW, he's been more of that killer in the ring. While in WWE, Daniel Bryan was more of the underdog trying to overcome the odds. He's the smaller guy. Here in I mean, AEW, they treat him still. He's still just a killer in the ring. I mean, I don't, he had that killer mentality when he was the eagle friendly champion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's notice, true. Yeah. Notice he started like stomping on dudes' heads and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so this match here, you can argue was his biggest opponent to date, like as far as like just size wise. Oh, yeah. And so Brian was definitely trying to get him on Miro on the ground and do a lot more pounding on him. But Miro was absorbing it. And was like, at one point was like, keep kicking me, kick me, kick me. And then there was a lot of false finishes and and Miro kept looking up at the up up high, looking at his God, asking for like help. Or, uh, but this match, I did enjoy it a little bit slower compared to maybe some of the other Brian Danielson matches in AEW thus far. I like the story they're telling. You know, Brian Danielson, you gotta give him credit since he's joined AEW. He's been wrestling quite regularly, like almost like every week between Dynamite and Rampage. He's he's even on Dark. He wrestled Aaron Solo. Oh, really? Yeah, that was a, that was a pretty good match too. Damn. Okay. So I like this, the story that they're telling what Excalibur was saying, like, dude, he's been wrestling a lot. Is this finally catching up to him? He's been doing a lot of hard hitting matches in AEW. Is this his breaking point? And so I like that story beat as far as putting that in your head, like, man, this guy, he's going all out, but when's it going to take a toll? And he's going up against Miro, who's his biggest opponent yet. So I enjoy the back and forth here and Miro not giving up. Um, but he was selling his, his was his right leg was wrapped up. So yeah. at that one point, you know, Daniel was looking, uh, uh, Brian Danielson was going after that. So, um, you know, like I said, a little bit slower match compared to some other Brian Danielson matches here, but I think stole uh, told a really great story. And so, yeah, Brian Danielson picks up the victory. He's the new number one contender for the AEW world championship. So um, that's going to be interesting. See, how this is going to play out now, which maybe we'll save that towards the end, or unless you have something about that. Well, I mean, I've watched a little bit of the press scrum. Apparently, you know, Debra said that Hangman won't have that thing for very long. <laughs> Deep, oh, Daniel Bryan or Brian Jameson said that? Yeah, at the press scrum oh, after the show. Interesting. Okay. Yes, well, sir. all right. Well, we'll do maybe some predictions towards the end. Uh, so, next up was the Falls Count Anywhere match between Jurassic Express, Christian Cage, Versus the super click. This match, I actually did enjoy it, but you know, it wasn't the best Young Bucks match, but because it was a different type of stipulation, the rules in plays. What about you, Philip? What do you think? Man, Luchasaurus and the shooting star press. That was that, that was the spot of the night. That won me over. Dude, Jungle Boy, <laughs> his reaction was like all of us just like oh, like in shock, hey, like, you, oh I, my god. I take back everything I said about Luchasaurus, bro. That was dope. <laughs> that was so, dope. So what I like here, it was interesting. Another contrast in styles was the super click. They come out in like bright pink, 
uh, colors on their ring gear. Even Adam Cole, he looked like Bret Hart in that gear, which is ironic since he's such a Shawn Michaels fan. I'll just say that. So, and he's friends with Shawn Michaels from Simon NXT. But anyway, like, but so, you know, these guys are very much playing up the heelish, like, yeah, we're the best. And they get the, you know, the bright highlighter colors. While Christian Cage and Jurassic Express, I give them credit for a Falls Count Anywhere match, which is ultimately like a street fight. They were dressed ready to go with jeans. Like, I like that detail of like, all right, this is not a traditional wrestling match. We got to dress a little more protective with the jeans, which is which is funny. Anytime it's like a, you know, a hardcore type match, jeans is like the go to ring wear. I, I guess they figure it's going to protect their legs better. But like, I don't know, like your upper I body mean, is still exposed. Doing a street fight. You don't want to mess up the gear. Yeah, I guess you know, get ripped up, bloody, <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but would you yeah. look at the match here overall? Uh, the thumbtacks into Jungle Boy's mouth oh. and then them doing the running and the kiss. Hey, shout out to Jungle Boy for being willing to do something like that, man. You know, that was cool. I, I wonder if he swallowed one. That's why I'm concerned is, listen, I know it's wrestling. They got, they're ultimately trying to protect each other in the ring. Sorry, break KFA. Yeah. But they put all the thumbtacks in his mouth. I'm sure they're trying to keep it maybe under the tongue. So that way it doesn't like swallow anything. (laughs) You're not to get like super like uh, critical detail, but it's like, can he just spit it out as soon as they put it in? But I get it. Adam Cole had him in like the, um, the camel clutch. Yeah. Camel clutch, Boston crab. Uh, So I guess technically he had his mouth, his jaw, you know, closed shut. Uh, You know, and then the young bucks running back forth, kiss Adam Cole on the cheek. And then they do the super kick on jungle boy. So it was a a funny spot. But with that being said, though, I'm like, like the thumbtacks, they just spit it out. And this is like what their third time doing that. Didn't Britt Baker do that with Abaddon on a rampage a while back. And then, and then there was a steel cage match. I think Um, someone did that as well. I'm spacing right now what the other one was, but yeah, th- so they've done this, that spot a, a few times now. Um, I, I thought the match was okay in the ring where it was going, but I think things started really picking up when they went outside. Christian yeah. did his version of new Jack jumping off the top of the, of uh, the seats. <laughs> yes. RIP new Jack. Absolutely. And then when they went up to the ramp and were on top of the main stage right there, uh, that's where things started getting really chaotic. Jungle boy, had Matt Jackson in the submission hold. And then, uh, as you said, uh, Luchasaurus hit the, the shooting star press and Jungle Spot Boy was amazing. of the night. Yes, absolutely. Spot of the night. But the big story beat a lot of people were talking about here. So early in the match, when they're in the ring, Christian tried to get Jungle Boy to do a concerto on one of the Young Bucks. He said, no, nah, he didn't want to do it. And he gave the chair back to Christian. To, to finish the match, when after Luchasaurus hit the shooting star press, the majority of people were knocked out offside. Christian Cage set up for the concerto again. Jungle Boy came up and grabbed the chair and says, I'll do it. He hit the, uh, I, I believe it was Matt Jackson, and then got the yeah. pin. So they, uh, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Christian win. I wonder what's that that's supposed to symbolize. As far- I, thought, I, thought, I thought Jungle Boy was going to turn. Yeah. He was going to hit Christian. Well, I, my initial reaction when I saw the first beat, when when Jungle Boy said, no, I don't want to do it, I thought I was going to interpret that as, like, let's say they lose, hypothetically. I could see Jungle Boy 
talking to Christian, Christian be like, dude, why didn't you do it? We, we could have won. And he's like, no, I'm not going down that dark path to win like that. And maybe that would have led to them splitting up and Christian turning on jungle boy. He's like, you're not, you're not ready for to be a main event player. You're not ready to get dark enough or something. That's what I was thinking. But then based on the finish though, we see, you know, jungle boy did the concerto and they picked up the victory. So I wonder Maybe just everything that had happened in the match, and maybe Jungle Boy thought about everything that the the Super Click and the Elite have done to him. Maybe it just had enough. I was like, all right, yeah, I'm ready. I'll do it. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's like he's becoming a man. It's like, all right, I'm tired of these, you know, asshole heels uh, saying all their crap and you know trying to think they can run run this place and be dicks to everyone. I'm gonna put a stop to them, you know, one way or another. So maybe it's just a way of doing a little more aggressive. So I'm kind of wondering where this is going to lead to. Does Jungle Boy start developing more of an edge, harder edge now? Because, you know, he's been growing the beard out. So, you know, he's starting to look a little more manly, a little bit more older, mature looking. So I wonder if this, you know, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting out here. Like, I see what you did there. Which, which what? Which what? Came in with Christian. You wonder if he's going to get a harder edge. Oh, what you did wow. That was, I did not even think of that. See, that went over my head. Sorry. K- kayfabe, Huey, kayfabe. kayfabe. You oh, yeah. I thought, dude, you, like, you like that. You like how I play that. Wink, wink. No, yes, but that's sir. the thing. That, that, that's the thing. It's like, I wonder if this is maybe Christian is going to train Jungle Boy to be more, a little bit tougher, uh, a little more aggressive. So I'm kind of wondering where this is going. Or, or wonder if Jungle Boy, maybe, I, I wouldn't, I wonder maybe on Dynamite or something, I could see him saying, like, he regrets going that dark, going down that dark path. And he didn't like going there. He refuses to go down that way again. And Christian's like, no, you got to keep going. And maybe that can lead to tension, them splitting up. I'm just, I just, because what I'm thinking, I think at some point Christian's going to have to turn on Jungle Boy. Christian become a heel and then put over Jungle Boy at some point as the baby oh, face. No, I think man. that's I think where it's people, going. People are still in the, we're happy to have you back phase. Let's wait a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just saying like, I, I just wondering the fact he refused to do the concerto at the beginning of the match and did it at the end. What's that going to lead to moving forward? So we'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, next up, it was a tag team match between Cody Rhodes and Pac taking on Malachi Black and Andrade. Man, I, I guess. <laughs> like I said, this match could have just made it into a dynamite. Like, I'm sorry. You know, I love Cody. Love you, Cody. Even though you make fun of me every time we talk. But I'm just saying. This match, you know, it, it, you heard the original plant. It's just going to be a fatal four way originally. And then last minute, they decided to make it a tag team match. It's just, I guess, because it was like two different storylines merging together. You know, Andrade and Pac were at odds. Malachi Black, Cody Rhodes had been dealing with each other for a while now. And it was going to lead to like a fatal four way, but instead they started doing tag team. I wouldn't be surprised they made a tag team because they maybe that was a way to kind of get Cody Rhodes not getting booed. So like, okay, let's partner him up with Pac. So that way, when it comes to the ring, you won't get as many boos. But he still got a lot of boos, man. I I don't get it, Phil. Man, why is the AEW fan base just booing Cody so hard? Like, I I, I really want to have a legit fickle. discussion. They're, they're fickle. fickle. They're yeah. fickle. Daniel I mean, Bryan told us about this years ago. They're fickle. Yes, Daniel Bryan. He was ahead of his time. He was a visionary. He was true. The fans yes, are fickle. But yeah, no, this match, it, it, you know, kind of came together. I, I wasn't truly like into this storyline where it's going. Like, I, if anything, what they should have done, this should have been Malachi Black and Cody Rhodes' third match here instead of doing it on Dynamite a few weeks ago. 
Yeah. And then have Malachi Black get his first loss here at this pay-per-view. That's, you know, because I, I like the story when Cody Rhodes first lost to Malachi Black and Cody Rhodes, quote, look, look, he's going to retire, left a boot in the ring, all that stuff. And then he came back kind of quick, if I remember correctly, right? Like he, he was gone for a few weeks to film the TV stuff. And then he comes back, challenges Malachi Black and still loses. And then we started doing like these montages with Arn Anderson, like I, the tiger Rocky three Apollo helping Rocky. Like he's going to get his, his groove back, his winning ways, his winning mentality. But instead I thought it was going to stretch out a little bit longer, but I thought that was a little quick. All of a sudden, like after like, I think two weeks of training, all of a sudden he has his match with Malachi black and beats him. So I was like, I thought that was just a little too abrupt. Like I thought that was a little bit too fast to get to that story ending right there. So I, I thought they could stretch it out a bit, a little bit more. Cody trying to find his winning ways again, kind of get the eye of the tiger and let the third match be here at full gear and finally get his win back here. I don't know what you think about like these two storylines just, just being thrown together. And like, I think Cody Malachi could have been stretched a little bit longer for the finale here. Look, uh, they just did it to get these guys on the card. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, ultimately, they, yes, that that's the real answer. I think they just get everyone on the card. That's all that it was. was it. Pac got the, the big pinfall victory, which he needed in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I really don't have anything else to say about this. It's just, I did. I, I, I wasn't really into it. I'm still confused why Malachi Black and Andrade are just teaming together. It just doesn't make sense. Because of the Zelina Vega connection. I mean, that is true. I mean, there is the Thea Trinidad, yeah, Zelina Vega connection there. But uh, too bad she didn't, too bad she re with WWE. She could be probably there by now working as a manager for them as a tag team. But they're so opposites. Like, I think Malachi Black is still special. I know he's cooled off since his debut, but like, keep him by himself. I like him being like this lone wolf, just killer black magic, whatever you want to call it, just death metal guy doing his own thing. Keep him separate. Like it makes him more special when he's on his own by himself. Now that this match is over, I hope he breaks away from Cody and does his own thing, goes after someone else now. Um, And I don't know, maybe because these four guys, we've seen them wrestle so much against each other. We give WWE crap for all their rematches. I'm burnt out seeing all these guys, these four working together. They all need to move on now. I don't even the Pac Andrade storyline kind of fell apart because I was getting confused because like Andrade was trying to get the Lucha Brothers to join him. The Pac was pissed off and that just kind of fizzled out. And then Lucha Brothers went off to do their own thing when the tag tiles. Now they're off doing their own thing. So the storyline here wasn't, I wasn't really feeling the storyline. Does that make sense? I was just getting kind of confused. And that's sometimes my issues with AEW as hot. They can be post coming back in front of an uh, audience since July, putting on these great shows. Sometimes their storylines, I think are not executed properly to the fullest. I don't know about you. If what you yeah, think. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. So anyway, moving forward, let everyone move on here. Now all need fresh new storylines now, especially Cody. I think Cody still needs to turn heel. He's such a polarizing figure right now. I think Cody should turn heel and tell everyone off and say, I'm going to use my EVP powers. I'm going to get rid of my world title stipulation where I can't challenge for the title anymore. That's out of the books. Now that's gone. I go after the title now and he becomes world champion and it just pisses everyone off. He'd be the greatest heel champion in AEW. We know once people turn heel, they become 
a baby face and get cheered. Become cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Look at Roman as the biggest example. Yeah. Well, my thing with Cody, it's like, once he put that stipulation in that he won't be challenged for the world title anymore, he put like a roof over his, a ceiling over his, his, uh, you know, what his character can achieve in AEW. We know he's never going to be, quote, be a main eventer for the title. He's always going to be stuck kind of like in that mid card area or people just go off and fight him and then they move on to the next thing. So Cody Rhodes, like when he put that stipulation in any laws, it's like he has a ceiling now on what he can do in AEW. And I don't like that. I wish he get rid of that stipulation and that way he can be in the world title picture scene again. I think he, he totally deserves it. So I don't know. It's something to keep our eye on out moving forward. Uh, next up for the AEW Women's World Championship, we saw Britt Baker taking on Tay Conti here. The I'm going to stop, was- stop you right here. <laughs> okay. Nobody got hurt. That is all we can ask for. Yes. I, I always said this. Tay Conti has definitely improved over the last four years that she's been wrestling. I think she's definitely really improved since her time joining AEW. The match itself was okay. I... You know, I, maybe because I was just getting a little tired from so many matches at this point, I was a little yeah. fatigued watching. You know, it was a typical Britt Baker match where Rebel and Jamie Hayter were constantly like interfering, getting involved. Typical heel work with the the outnumbered the the he baby face here. Um, Look, you know. we, say, we say it on the bullet cast. Britt is her matches are very good when she's in there with somebody that is better than her, a la a Thunder Rosa. I kind of wish a Serena Deeb was a baby face to where we could see something like that and really elevate Britt in the ring. You know what I mean? Britt Baker, amazing character. Awesome on the microphone. You know, those those are other aspects of being a pro wrestler that you got to have those, those qualities, those talents, those skills. She does that as far as her in-ring work, trying to tell that story. When, when she has to lead, it doesn't really work out. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, I don't fully feel it. I know Rebel and Jamie Hayter are trying to do their part to really sell that she's a heel and that she relies on help when the ref's not looking. I get that. Um, Tay Conti did look pretty strong here as far as what, kicking out two curb stomps from Britt Baker. But yeah, this match, I was not fully into it. You know, Britt Baker, I think from her in-ring work, she, there's some things she needs to kind of work on still as far as telling that full great story in the ring, but you're right. When she has a great dance partner, then it makes it a lot better. So yeah, Thunder Rose, you look at her best matches are Thunder Rosa. Uh, uh, you know, that that's probably argue match of the year, but yeah, Thunder Rosa worked her ass off to make her look great. So, uh, but yeah, Britt Baker picked up the victory here. Now what's next though, it, it's, it's a W in their women's division. It's interesting. Cause like on their pay-per-views, they only get one match on the show and it's just for the world title. I wish AEW works on developing other interesting storylines in the women's division outside of the women's title. Like they, well, you could have interesting stories. I guess that's basically what the buy-in match was. I guess that's just for the turn. That was just kind of add more fuel for the tournament. That was but, still about a title. Yeah, exactly. So like, just, you know, do, do create a storyline between a couple of the women in the women's division. And it's just, a regular match. I mean, look at MJF Darby Allen. It's about like, who's the best homegrown talent pillar of AEW. Do something like that with AEW with the women's division. Just give us a couple, you know, women that just don't like each other and they're just fighting out. Cause then 
unless you're 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 in the world title picture in the women's division, you're not as special. You just kind of fall out of uh, relevancy. Does that make sense? No, oh, yeah. Like unless you're you're going after the women's championship, you're not doing a lot on TV, and that sucks. Like you can have them maybe an extra match, a women's match on television or on a pay per view. Just you can de- just develop some interesting storylines, not title storylines. So anyway my rant right there but uh <laughs> next up we saw eddie kingston take on cm punk here shortest match of the night makes sense it was a total brawl but first what'd you think of cm punk's uh ring gear <laughs> the trunks so I, we talked about it on the show i guess for like the when he wrestles like the young boys or whatever he puts on the the long boys the long <laughs> the long tights you oh. from daniel garcia in the long tights right yeah oh okay. he has, like a technical match you know he'll he'll put on uh he'll put on the trunks and i guess when he has fights he'll put on the the shorts ah, okay that's an interesting little detail right there look at okay yeah but what i want to talk about is him doing the five moves of cena <laughs> okay what, so what, what, what <laughs> okay real quick you know they start the match the crowd was pretty torn in half as far as eddie kingston cm punk chance like, I know Eddie Kingston was trying to come off more as the heel here, but the crowd was still behind him. He's definitely this generation's, like, Mick Foley in many ways, I think. Okay. You know, you know just something to keep your eye out on, like, the the true, like, um, underdog. trying to he, he doesn't have, like, the perfect look that you would think a wrestler would be successful in. He doesn't have that 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 gimmick, you know what I mean, that presentation. But – he still goes out there and kicks ass and people still love him very much like Mick Foley. So, yes, uh, but right before the match started, he hits him with the back fist and Punk knocks him out. I guess he couldn't go for the pin yet because the bell hadn't rang yet, but um, he starts laughing. So that's very much a heelish move to start the match there. But uh, so no, go ahead and talk about the CM Punk, uh, the, the five stages of Cena. So, yeah. So, I mean, when they had that, that promo on rampage, People compared it to John and, and 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 Punk back in the day, to where Punk was now in the Cena role and Eddie was in the Punk role. And I'm sure you know Punk's on the internet, so we picked up on that. And then he does the shoulder block. I'm like, huh? And he does another one. I'm like, oh. Then he does, you know, Eddie tries to hit him, he picks him up, slams him down. I'm like, oh, we're really doing this. <laughs> we're really doing this. And he holds it up and he looks around and he's soaking it in. Then he flips him off. Eddie flips him off. I wish he had just went for it. I wish he had went for the five knuckle shuffle. But it was just some nice, some nice symmetry there. Yeah, exactly. This, this was a brawl, man. It was not like some super technical match. It was just two guys trying to fight and kick the crap out of each other. Even Eddie Kingston said, not so much about wins or losses here. He just wants to beat up CM Punk. Yeah. Uh, it did. It does make Eddie look kind of strong. Cause he took two GTSs to beat him. Yeah. And he, even know, he was doing the, the go to sleep uh, gesture and then like, you know, <laughs> type of thing. <laughs> so now th- this match, like I said, short and sweet. It told the story. CM Punk wins and then a Kingston would not shake uh, CM Punk's hand. So I guess trying to sell that Eddie Kingston is the heel. And maybe this match where this feud can keep going for another round because, you know, Eddie Kingston's pissed off. So maybe he wants to keep going after CM Punk, which, Okay, I, I guess I'll see another one. I, how they're going to keep this going now? Hey, if they give us some more promos, yes, sir. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, which I'll be for that. But it's uh, I don't know, man. What do you think? A lot of people still want to see CM Punk go heel. Do you think we can see a double turn here? Not yet. No, it, I think- it needs it needs to be the right right person. 
Like yeah. a heel CM Punk against a baby face champion Adam Page. Oh yeah, give me that. But see, I like this story here. It's CM Punk. He's the guy, the veteran that hasn't wrestled in seven and a half years. He's still trying to get his legs under him. So we're so used and conditioned to WWE. When a legend comes back, he immediately gets uh, hot shotted to the main event scene, gets a world title shot, and acts like no time has passed. And the younger guys are selling for him or the older person, like this person's a, a stud. I like the story they're telling here. CM Punk is like, you know, I haven't wrestled in a long time. I'm a little rusty. I'm going to face all the younger guys, work my way up, pay my dues and work my way up back to the top. It's a, it's, it's a different story that we're used to seeing from a legend who's been gone for a while. And I'm enjoying this. And so Eddie Kingston, I think, is like his first real major opponent. And this is a stepping stone. And I'm fine be him being a babyface for a while to kind of keep paying his dues. And when he reached that level, like back in the main event title scene, then maybe he can go heel at that point. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, next up was the Minneapolis street fight between the inner circle taking on American top team and also men of the year. Um, <laughs> I barely match, paid attention, bro. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. This match was a little bit of a train wreck, no pun intended, but yeah, it was all over the place. Listen, I give, Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, so much credit because literally it was a five on two match. I mean, let's be real. Like uh, 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 Andre Arvikoski. I hope I'm saying that. I guess that's how you say his name. The guy came in, he did not know what he was doing. Like he was trying to throw some punches, but you can tell he was holding back. He didn't want to throw a real punch, but it just still didn't look effective. And he looked, he did a couple of moves and then he went back out. Junior Dos Santos, he looked a little bit better in the ring. Um, but these guys, you can tell, are just not rest. I mean, Junior Santos, Junior Dos Santos, he looked a little bit better as far as doing some actual moves. But yeah. these guys are not wrestlers. And this, so it just seemed a little sloppy. Yeah, I mean, we have, we, we have celebrity matches where you get like a Pat McAfee or a Bad Bunny and they just excel. Yeah. And then you get, I mean, McAfee was an athlete, Bunny's and musician but you get like combat athletes like dos santos and whatever this guy's name is and it doesn't land yeah which is interesting and that's the thing it was like three non-wrestlers in this match and so scorpio sky and ethan page were doing a lot of the work here the heavy lifting uh inner circle you know did their thing and you know they went all over the place too which i don't know about you man but like i was between this and the falls count anywhere match it felt like two similar matches you know what I mean? That was something that was kind of interesting. It was like, okay, we saw the falls count anywhere. They were using some hardcore type stuff, some weapons, the thumbtacks, um, you know, the chair, and then Minneapolis street fight, they were using weapons as well. So, you know what I mean? It's like, like we already saw the falls count anywhere early in the match. And then we see this match, like one of them should not have happened on this show. Then honestly, it should have just been Lambert versus Jericho one-on-one. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. I mean, and then, uh, uh, I actually said I want to ask you. So throughout the night, there were we touched on it earlier a lot of Eddie Guerrero tributes in the ring. Um, Lucha Brothers, um, uh, Three Amigos, three, th- doing the Three Amigos. Uh, Pento's doing Three Amigos, and he uh, tagged Ray in, and then Ray went for the Frog Splash, but FTR kicked out, which I was a little pump, a little pissed at that. I was like, man, they kicked out of the Frog Splash. They should not kick out of the Frog Splash, man. They should have. You know, pull Ray off that pin, or or maybe one of them got the knees up on the frog splash. But you know, if you're gonna celebrate Eddie, 
that night, you know, don't kick out of the frog splash. Uh, that's one little detail, but yeah, there's a lot of three amigo moves in the matches there. Uh, but for Chris Jericho, I thought it was really cool. He, uh, uh, pointed up, you know, up, up to the sky and, uh, hit the frog splash and got the pin on, uh, Dan Lambert. And so it was a Dan Lambert. They got the pin on pretty sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let me double check here. Um, let's see. Yeah, Lambert was alone in the ring with Jericho, and Jericho uh, went for the lion saw, but uh, uh, Junior Dos Santos smacked him outside the ring. That's right. And then Dan Lambert grabbed Jericho to put him in the walls of Jericho, but Jericho escaped and smacked Lambert, and then Junior Dos Santos with shots from the kendo stick. Jericho took Lambert off his feet with the... uh, oh, hit him below the belt. And then Jericho pinned them after the frog splash. So Jericho hit a frog splash in honor of Eddie Guerrero. Great little tribute there. So I thought that was a great was a good frog splash. Yeah, man. For, for Chris Jericho, that was great. So that was awesome. Still got it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Our friend still has it. Yeah. I know, man. Dude, he's going to be here in May. So uh, we got to talk about the frog splash. Absolutely. You get like a little private story about that night or hey, something. Let's do it. Absolutely. So Inner Circle wins here. I don't know, man. What do you think Inner Circle, like, they really cooled off, man. So I don't know if they need to, like, break up or step away from each other. I'm just, you know, they kind of maybe need to move move their ways, go their separate ways right now. I guess because, I mean, Jericho's not really going to be doing much much of anything looking at it. We know what, uh, we know what, um, Sammy Guevara is wrestling Jay lethal for the TNT title on Wednesday. Yeah. Proud and powerful. I don't know. Try to go after those tag team titles. I don't know what Hager is going to do. That's the thing. I think proud and powerful. I want them to go after those tag titles. They need to kind of break off and get back on their winning ways as a tag team. Like, the tag team division is really thriving right now, and I, yeah. I want to see them more involved with that. When Conan was around, I wanted them to kind of go off with him to be like, hey, you know, we were successful with him once. We can do it here on a bigger stage. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, after the match, uh, Tony Schiavone introduced the newest signee to AEW. Yes, it's Jay Lethal. I was from shocked. Impact and Ring of Honor fame. So, yeah, man, your thoughts on him signing? Um, I mean, well, I'm happy for him. You know, there, there are some... He was a part of the speak out movement last year. Yeah. His name mm-hmm. was out. I forgot all about that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, you know, so we, you know, we, we, we don't know exactly what happened there, mm-hmm. but um, just going off of this, his ring work. I mean, I think the longest reigning television champion in ring of honor history, he had the ring of honor heavyweight title and TV title at the same time. Mm-hmm. The black machismo stuff is legendary. Yeah. <laughs> the woo off with Ric Flair. That's TNA's highest rated segment of all time. It was great. I remember that. I loved it so much. Still do. Yeah. Um, I'm happy for Jay Lethal, man. You know, he's a, I've always thought he was kind of underrated in a way. Mm-hmm. No, I'm happy uh, for him too, because yeah, he, he did a lot of great work in impact or TNA. And, you know, I, I think there were moments where he looked like he was going to get a big push, but then, you know, TNA was going through a lot behind the scenes with management and stuff. So I think like his career was kind of stop and go a lot from what I remember, um, you know, he did a lot of great things in ring of honor, ring of honor, world champion. And, you know, I think, uh, Madison square garden, I think, or, or all in one of those, those were like two of the biggest crowds he's ever worked in front of. So I'm just happy for him to be with AEW. This is probably the largest promotion he's ever working with. So at this later point of his career, this is, 
you know, the biggest audience he's going to be wrestling for him. So I, you know, it, it, it just shows, you know, keep, keep striving, man, keep hustling, you know? And so I'm glad he's after all these years, he's getting this opportunity in his career. I do like how his theme song is pomp and circumstance and Jace, like you listen to it. There, there's pomp and circumstance in there. For yeah. Randy. yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it, you know, it's cool. It, it, you know, we'll, we'll get some of that, uh, uh, macho man impression yeah. on he the ship. He did a flare impersonation when he said Shivani. Yeah. I, I mean, you and I used to watch that, you know, back in the day on Nitro. Yes, sir. Exactly, man. Live yeah. every week. Live. Yes, sir. <laughs> but uh, so no, I'm really happy for Jay Lethal as far as someone, like I said, paid his dues in TNA, Ring of Honor. And now this is his biggest opportunity of his career. So I'm really excited what he can do. I wonder, man, will he beat Sammy Guevara? Oh, so he comes out, says hi to everyone. And yeah, his first match is this Wednesday on Dynamite against Sammy Guevara for the TNT Championship. I wonder, would they let him win on his first night? I don't know. Because that's the thing we think about. The world championship, that belt has had long title reigns, whoever had it. The TNT championship is a little more of a hot potato. That's done a little more bouncing around. Yeah, I mean, because I'm the, t- the television championship back in the day, you know, a guy could hold it for like a month, and then all of a sudden on some, some random house show in Poughkeepsie, oh, he loses it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it, it's kind of have that, that same feel. Um, Jay Lethal won a day. I'd be happy for him. Yeah, no, I'm excited to see what he could do. I hope they do something with him. Uh, I hope he doesn't fall into kind of like the Bobby Fish situation. You know, Bobby Fish, great veterans come on the roster. He's just kind of like that guy who just puts on great matches with the younger talent, helps put them over. So, but then again, you need wrestlers on your roster like that to help get the younger talent over. So, um. Yeah, I, I really want to see what Jay Lethal can do here. I'm, I'm happy for him and, you know, someone that's, you know, paid his dues elsewhere, gained this opportunity. He totally deserves it. Um, all right. Main event time. AEW World Championship. Kenny Omega with Don Callis in his corner, taking on Hangman Adam Page. The video package before this match, dude, was awesome. Like the drone shot. You see, like, outside Target Center. You see the Dark Order running across the bridge. And then it's flying around the block and you see hangman on the horse and he's coming to the, to the arena, man. Like, I just love the opening story. There's a story that's going on here is, you know, hangman and page. He lost the, the first match for the crown, the first ever AEW world champion to Chris Jericho. Yes. Lost that opportunity. Then he lost his friends in the elite. And then he won the tag titles with Kenny Omega they had a great title reign, but then they lose the titles. Then they lose. Then Kenny, he loses the Kenny at the uh, Eliminator tournament at Full Gear a year last ago year. Yeah. last year. Then a month later, Kenny wins the title, turns full heel with Don Callis. Hangman is just really down on his luck, and so it's just really just like two year plus story of telling Hangman's rise from the bo- from the top to the bottom again. Or, excuse me, from the bottom to the top again. It's a really amazing story here, but yeah, what'd you think of the match itself? Um, you know, I, I thought it was good. It ended anti uh anticlimactically for me. That's okay. the word. It's late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I because I, I pictured, I pictured. All right, so the way we're gonna get this, Kenny's gonna hit that one wing angel on uh, Hangman, and he's gonna kick out. I thought that's what was going to happen. But, you know, Hangman hits one-wing angel on Kenny. Kenny kicks out. 
Um, Hangman hits the buckshot Larry to the back of Kenny's head. Kenny's days or whatever. The Young Bucks are out at ringside. Um, Hangman looks at Matt. Matt looks at Hangman. And Matt nods like, okay, I know what you have to do. We approve. And then he hits that buckshot Larry. Boom. One, two, three. We have a new world champion. Yeah. So the match is um, great. You can argue match of the year. 25 plus minutes. Hard hitting. All over the place. Great story here. I mean, Hangman did the flying like elbow outside of Kenny on the table. Yeah, that was cool. That was a great spot. Uh, we had the ref bump where Kenny Omega brought the ref in front of him. And then uh, Hangman hit him with the buck shot. And then we see ref Aubrey run in very much like a uh, little Nate. Remember little Nate at was it WrestleMania? Ran WrestleMania, to the ring? WrestleMania 24 for the main event of Taker and edge. Yes. Yeah. So he runs to the ring slides and ref Aubrey, the way she was running, it was a you know, shorter ramp, shorter distance, but just remind me of little Nate running yeah. to the ring. Um, yeah. So the match here, like I said, amazing i thought i'm with you i i thought we were going to see finally someone kick out the one wing angel because that was the most protected move in all of aew next to what brock lesnar's uh f5 over in wwe yeah. yeah over in wwe like brock lesnar's f5 was like the most protected finisher for forever and until uh wait was it was it drew mcintyre kicked out of it or yeah. uh yeah. Now, the, now the end of days is the most protected finisher in WWE. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, but, that, but that's the thing. It's like they, they keep referencing the one wing angel for so long that no one's kicked out of it. So I was like, this is going to be a major story beat. Whenever Kenny drops the title, someone is going to kick out of the one wing angel. It did not happen. So I was so, I was bum. I was with you. I was like, this is a little anticlimactic. It kind of took me out of it. Yeah. Cause I thought, okay, when hangman, Got Kenny and hit the one wing angel on him. I was like, okay, this is a little foreshadowing. It's going to come. It's going to come. It didn't happen. Kenny kicked out and they're like, oh, hey, man, it's not his finisher. He doesn't do it as well as Kenny. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I get that. It's not his finisher. He's not used to doing it properly, you know, kayfabe wise. But then I thought what we're going to see here was uh, Kenny was going to do it and Hayman was going to kick out. We never got that. I'm like, oh, like I was so pissed. I was like, as much as happy it was for Hangman, I mean, as you said, so uh, the Young Bucks come, you know, you know, uh, limping out to the ring. I'm like, oh, oh, here we go. Which I was like, okay, the numbers are really going to be against Hangman because we already had Don Callis in Kenny's corner. Now it's going to have the Young Bucks, so it's going to be like four against one with the ref bump. Like I was like, Hangman's going to win, but it's going to look super. She's going to look super strong in this, very much like Johnny Gargano at takeover when he beat Adam Cole in the undisputed era. Like I was like, that's fine. I, I love the baby face out beating the out number game here. And so uh, when hangman was outside, you know, he hit the dead shot on him and then he went outside. Nick Jackson walked over and stared at him and hangman thought he was going to, you know, uh, Nick was going to grab his legs or something. He didn't hit the buckshot. And then he went on the other side, do another buckshot. Matt walked over there and then Matt looked at him and we thought, oh, is Matt going to grab his feet here? And he did. And he just nodded like, it's okay. Go ahead. Do it. He hit the second buck shot and pinned Kenny Omega and got the victory. And he's the new AEW world champion. Dark Order come out, offer a beer. Hangman knocks the beer away. Instead, just gives big group hug, carries him up on the shoulders. Very much like Lex Luger when he won the WCW championship in the 90s. <laughs> so. Oh. Why are you booing that moment with Lex Luger? Lex Luger was terrible. (laughs) 
He was absolutely terrible. But Jesus, I can like say I love this story how it played out. It's like two years in the making. Talk about long term storytelling. As far as you know, Hangman losing the first uh, AEW World Championship match to Chris Jericho, then goes on this roller coaster of losing his friends in the Elite. Loses the tag titles with Kenny Omega. Kenny ultimately turns heel on him. Kenny becomes world champion. Hangman's got to find himself. He has new friends with the Dark Order. He has up and down friendship with them. Finally wins the title, overcomes the odds. So it's this amazing long-term storytelling. Um, Before I forget, do you remember, why was Hangman uh, kind of feeling distant from the Elite? Remember when he was like drinking by himself? Was that stuff on being the Elite? Like the story beat? Like I, I never... That was something back in, you know, back in what, 2020? Because remember, it was the stadium stampede match where he walked out by himself or walked away. Like he was always walking around with the drink, but I was never, I hope someone maybe on YouTube fully explains this story because there were moments I remember on Dynamite that didn't happen. And I guess they were more told on being the elite. So, yeah. And that's my one thing frustrating with being the elite is like, if these are main storylines for long-term story, you know, tell them on dynamite as well. So that way us fans, we know what's going I mean, on. Hell the name full gear came from being the elite hangman page. He wasn't full gear ready. He wasn't in shape. Yeah. You know? So what do you think the next story here is? Do you think Kenny Omega is going to be off TV for a while now? Cause I know he's been legit think, like battling some injuries. I think that that's probably the best, like, like Kenny, you know, heal up or whatever. Then, you know, the, just start inching towards um, Brian Danielson and Hangman. So, are you cool with that? Two baby faces going at each other next, or yeah? Have- I mean, championship matches matches don't have to be baby face versus heel all the time. Okay. Like, I, I'm intrigued by heel heel matches. That that intrigues me. Okay, uh, baby face versus baby face. That's fun. Yeah. So, I'm 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 curious too. What's going to happen next? As far as okay, we got um, you know, Hangman. Uh, he's champion. Do the young bucks distance themselves from Kenny Omega? Is Kenny Omega going to be pissed at them because they didn't help him out to retain the title? Does Adam Cole come in the picture? And it's like Adam Cole, the super click turn on Kenny Omega. Could the three of them branch off from Kenny Omega and, you know, they need a new fourth man. Could that lead to Kevin Owens showing up and Mount Rushmore is reunited and they go up against Kenny Omega, and Kenny Omega needs a new faction. I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just thinking of all these yeah. different possibilities here. So I think there's a lot more. And then, yeah, Hangman, where does he go? Yeah, Daniel or Brian Danielson seems to be his first opponent. You got MJF now. So they're, they're really trying to build up all these heels now because we haven't had a babyface champion in a long time. So all these new heels are going to come. Miro could be. That's why I kind of thought Miro should have won on this night. Because then he can make an argument, or he'll be the new number one contender, him, MJF. So it's going to be interesting how they're going to build up more heels to go after Hangman Adam Page. Um, I do think he's not going to have a super long title reign compared to everyone else so far. Jericho had a long reign. Moxley had a long reign. Jericho wasn't that long. It was like six months. It was August to February. Yeah. I mean, that's six months. I mean, that's long relatively like now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it's gonna be, and Moxley had it from what February to December, yeah. Uh, and then Omega, so yeah, December to months, November, yeah, six months, 10 months, and 11 months. So, so yeah, I wonder, yeah, how long Hangman's tie reign is gonna be. That's something to look out for. But I enjoyed the match overall. 
I'm pissed that yeah, he did not kick out the one wing angel. That's the one thing that would have made this like a super all time classic match for me. That was what yeah. I was missing. So, uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens to dynamite this week. And yeah, it's going to be exciting to fall out on dynamite and rampage moving forward. So, uh, all right, Philip, uh, on that note, let's start wrapping things up. Where can the clicks just find you online? You people know where to find me. Absolutely. Uh, I'm baby. Huey. follow me on Facebook at baby Huey official Twitter and Instagram at baby Huey 83. Of course, follow us at in the click on social media. And more importantly, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts at. Also on YouTube, subscribe to us there. Watch the videos. Give us a like on those videos. Leave a comment as well. Help share the podcast as well. We appreciate all the continuous support in the click at gmail.com. And on that note, let's go home. And that's the bottom line because Huey said so. <laughs>